child has her own and you're doing great, Allison, just great. <laughs> um, but, um, at the end of the day, if you put your confidence in people, we're just people. And one of the great problems is Christians that put their faith, maybe whether it's a pastor or some spiritual mentor, we're still just people. Failed. And as a believer, our primary trust to have a better faith better be in the Lord. (laughs) If you quit on God when people fail, it only reveals that your ultimate confidence was in the people. And I'm not saying this from a a position where I've never experienced pain inside of the church. Most of you know I grew up in the church. My dad was a deacon uh, until just a couple years ago. So for a long time, my dad served as a deacon. I grew up as a deacon's kid. As you know my story, I was a perfect child, so I met the pastor's kids, and then it went downhill. I've since come to a greater light to realize, after all, it was the deacon's kid's fault after all. But that's another story. But our trust better be in the Lord. And here in our text, the, the Hebrew word there is the word Jehovah, the personal name of God. The Bible is very clear in one of my favorite verses of in, in all the scriptures that I hope you have committed to memory. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Have a better trust and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It's a better trust. So I reread this chapter, chapter 118, from the lens of the Lord Jehovah and that we can put our confidence in him, we can put our trust in him. And I begin to ask myself, if I can get a better trust by growing in my trust in him, how does that play out in my life? What, what are the attributes of God that I need to have a clear vision and focus on and realization in my life that will lead me to a better trust? And uh, I don't know how many weeks we're going to do this. I was Pastor Danny and I say, we could start a series one week and I could never pick it up again and y'all would never say a word. So, you know, um, but I'm one of those people, if I do a part number one, I, I have to do a two. My OCD just, you know, right? Do I have any OCD people here this morning? Okay, okay. All right, thank you, Ben. One, one other honest person in here this morning, or one that's listening, <laughs> one or the other. But, um, so this morning, number one, on better trust in the Lord, and number one, and his mercy. Better trust in the Lord and his mercy. In our text, we began in the middle of that chapter, I think is the theme, but let's go back to beginning this chapter, Psalm 118, uh, verses 1 to 4. Notice how this psalm begins. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them that now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. Do you hear what the psalmist is trying to say here to us? Most people think King David wrote this psalm, used of the Holy Spirit of God to write the psalm. And, and his, his initial message is, hey, let's start this out. If you're going to have a proper trust and confidence, remember that his mercy endureth forever. Now, the Hebrew word here for mercy is the idea of loving kindness or grace. Um, I know I grew up, I was always taught mercy means the unmerited favor of God, and uh, it's a good definition. But the bottom line is better trust comes when we believe in his mercy. 
when we are mindful of his mercy. And as the psalmist says in verse number one, that when we give thanks to the Lord and when we recognize that God is good, it comes from the source because his mercy endureth forever. So I could reverse that and say when we're not thankful and we don't think God is good, it's because we've lost sight that God is merciful. Hmm. Now this psalm begins with this admonition about mercy, but it also, if, if you want to prove I'm telling you right here, the, the, the last verse, verse 29, the psalm ends, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Kind of wants us to get this thought, doesn't he? Book ends it. Matter of fact, now I, I won't take time to go through every single one, but this is told to us many times throughout the, the scriptures and in the book of Psalms. For example, Psalm 106, verse number one, praise you the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And I could take you this morning to Psalm chapter 136, which is the mercy chapter of the, of the entire Bible, because Psalm 36, 136, verse number one, says, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse number two says, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse number three says, his mercy endureth forever. Verse number four says, Verse number five says, his mercy endureth forever. I could go all the way, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six, seven, eight, nine, twenty, 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 four, twenty, twenty-five, twenty-six. All twenty-six verses in that chapter end in that verse with, his mercy endureth forever. Now, have you noticed that the scripture in our text in Psalm 118, verse one says, oh, give thanks for his mercy endureth forever. And then verse two says, let Israel now say his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them that fear the Lord say his mercy endureth forever. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not real smart, but I'm smart enough uh, to look at this and say, okay, God seems to like it when we say it. That's why I had Joe sing the song this morning, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I wanted you all to say it. But I also thought it'd be pretty good if we all say it together. Now, you already done it once. I would just say, his mercy endureth forever. All right, ready? One, two, three. His mercy endureth forever. All right, now, this section over here, on my left, your right. His mercy endureth All right, center section. His mercy endureth On my right. Wow, the time on the right wins. You guys believe it. You guys are in the middle, spewed out of the Lord's mouth, and you guys are in a very hot place in the middle. Um, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you know. The center section is a little disadvantaged. The, the pews in the center section are actually narrower than the ones on the sides, so you all had more people. But you know what? Sometimes you got you to gotta pick it up there in the center. Brock, you, you, you let me down, Brock. 650 horsepower and can't do nothing with it. Um, I, I think it's good sometimes for us to say his mercy endureth forever. If you, if you don't leave it this morning with anything else, maybe throughout this week as you're having a tough time and you're losing sight of the goodness of God, it, it, under, uh, it, out loud or, you know, if you're at work and you're going to lose your job because you quote scripture, well, I don't know how that goes. You do your conscience, but... Um, his mercy endureth forever. Yeah, this bill is, my electric bill is a little higher this month. It's been kind of hot, 
but his mercy endureth forever. This phrase is really important, and I'm so thankful as I was studying this that he's very specific. He says, let Israel now say, the Jewish people. Now, maybe we have somebody here Jewish this morning. Um, We're honored to have you if you're Jewish here this morning. Love it. But I don't think so. And then he says, let the house of Aaron. Now, we do have one house of Aaron here this morning. <laughs> so, I, but I don't think he has you in mind, although you are a believer, so therefore Aaron is a priest by the New Testament standard. So, you know, we do, we do have one house of the Aaron, so I guess you guys have your own special place, all right, Aaron? Um, you and your house, you and Heather are good. Um, but aren't you glad for verse number four where he says, let them now that fear the Lord, that the psalmists and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he looks down time, he goes, there, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are not of the people of Israel, that are not priests in, in the Levitical system. They're, 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 they're Gentiles who come to an understanding of who Jehovah is and, and they understand his mercy. And, and so he says, whether you're Jew, whether you're, whether you're a priest in the Jewish people or whether you're a Gentile, let us all say, his mercy endureth forever. Wow. Isn't it great that his mercy has demonstrated his grace? And I'm going to get a little theological in the next couple minutes, all right? So hang with me. I know some of you get get concerned when I get too theological. Um, I personally believe, and I think the psalmist is very clear here, that God wants everybody to be able to say his mercy endureth forever. This is a shout out from God to all of humanity, that God's mercy is not finite or limited that it's only for these few people over here. No, God's mercy endureth forever. That he desires for all of us to come to know him and have a personal relationship with him. Now, to me, that's mercy. I know some of my friends like Ephesians chapter number one that are of a different theological bent than, 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 than I would be, um, but I'm so thankful in Ephesians one, verse number three, the Bible says, blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according, because you're in Christ, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That, that God said in eternity past, it, 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 I'm going to send my son, he's going to die, and anybody who believes in him and, and by faith is placed in Christ, that I'm going to declare them righteous, I'm going to declare them holy, I'm going to declare them just by my mercy. It's nothing to do with being chosen for salvation. Because as Pastor Danny so eloquently did Wednesday night, if you didn't see Wednesday night service, I encourage you to watch that. He did a profound job in, a, in about 30 minutes of time in, in articulating a sound theological position. It's really good stuff. Wednesday night. But you, and I've had the discussion, but they can't answer this. They can't. If, if you believe that God chose some people to be saved... There's, by definition, you are believing that God chose some people to go to hell. That's not mercy. I know they want to quote out of Romans, oh, but I'll have mercy upon whom I'll have mercy. Well, yeah, God, God no one's debating God's sovereignty, um, but be fair in the contextual reason why he says that in Romans. God desires all to come to him 
and his mercy and his love, even though in eternity past, God looked down and as the psalmist says, God is from everlasting to everlasting. He knew that when he created us for his glory and his purpose, that we would rebel and betray him, which we have done, all of us. Yet because his mercy and his love endureth forever, he made a way to redeem us, to bring us back. That's why the, in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because his mercy endureth forever. And he shows mercy as Paul wrote in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Mm. We are all sinners fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and only his mercy prevents us from an eternity separated from God in hell. Uh, uh, the, the, in Lamentations, Jeremiah wrote, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And I know I don't want to be too provoking here this morning, but here's the truth. The breath that you have in your lungs right now is only by the mercy and grace of God. And, and you may say this morning, well, I don't want to believe in God, and God by his mercy has given you the opportunity to make that decision. But just understand that the breath you take right now may be the last one you take, or you may be on your last 100, because one of the things I'm seeing in this era in which we live is, is people are dying in ways that we've not seen before in terms of age. We got young people dying all over. Now, you can conclude why that is. I won't go on to that, but all I know is none of us know what this afternoon holds or tomorrow. And right now, you are in the space of grace and the mercy of God has been extended to you. He died for you. Uh, Peter said it this way in, in, in 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That according to his mercy, Jesus died, but praise God, he didn't stay dead. He rose again and now offers unto us eternal life. And if you've trusted him today, we have a lively hope Problem most Christians, it's a dead hope. We get so focused on the things of this world and it steals our joy and robs us and, and brings anxiety and, 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 and all kinds of things into us and we lose sight of the fact that we serve a risen Savior and one day, bless God, He's going to make it all right. The Bible says it this way, for God sent His Son, not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So this morning, the scripture is clear. Jesus cries out uh, from that empty tomb that I have paid the price. It is finished. I paid the price for your sin. And you have a choice today to stand before God and answer for your own sin. And, and you say, well, I'm a good person. You ain't that good. Or... You can receive the gift of faith that Jesus Christ is offering and he paid the price for your sin and he took your sin and instead he gave you his righteousness. Woo, that's a way better way to stand before God. The only way you're getting in heaven is if you stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Woo. And why? Because his mercy endureth forever. Now, for the believer, the person of faith, it's essential that we're always mindful of this mercy because if you're not, you'll be easily defeated over and over as our adversary reminds us of your past mistakes. We'll tell you you're not good enough. Another reason I get really angry about flawed theology, so much of Christian theology today is based on my behavior. Well, if you do that, you must not really be saved. I promise you this. If we could look into your heart and mind, the thoughts you've had this very week, no one that could say they're a 
a believer could think like you have thought this week. So if, if that's what you're basing, knowing if you're really a Christian or not, you're going to live a really unsure faith. Every day you're going to be going, oh, I blew it today. Am I really saved? And trust me, the adversary is going to come to you and go, you're not really saved. Look at you. I would encourage you this morning that that's not what the scripture teaches. It's not by our works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Don't look at what you did. Look at what Jesus did. And yes, we make mistakes as believers, <laughs> lots of them. But I'm so thankful because the mercy of God that Jesus paid it all and my assurance is not based on my works but on his and on his promise. But Satan will tell you, you failed too many times. Or he'll tell you, God must not really care about you. He'll tell you that everything bad in your life is on the judgment of God. That every time something bad, well, I must have done something wrong. Now, don't misunderstand. And we're going to get into Psalm 118 later in Psalm 118. The, uh, the psalm that says, the Lord hath chastened me sore. So, as you said, I'm not telling you this morning that believers, well, it means you can do whatever you want to do. Well, you can do whatever you want to do. But, as I've told you many times, you can do whatever you want to do, but God's going to do what he's going to do. And if you're a child of God and you're, and you're in rebellion as a believer to him, some bad things are going to come your way. And as John said, there is a sin unto death. Don't lose sight of the mercy of God because if you do, it'll keep you with little faith, not a better faith. It, it, it'll, it'll, when we lose sight of how merciful God has been to save me, to save you, you end up with this roller coaster faith or, or, or maybe there's somebody in, in your life, a family member, that either you don't, you're unsure if they're really saved or maybe they're so bound in sin, they're so far away from God and Satan will say, well, just give up on them. Now, I'm not telling you sometimes we have to quit enabling. Sometimes we've got to make changes in how our relationship with them if they're, if they're damaging themselves. But his mercy endureth forever. I don't care how far away you are from God this morning. If you're listening to this, somehow you found this podcast or you found this video and you say, you pastor, you don't know how far away I'm from God. I'm telling you his mercy endureth forever and the grace of God is big enough, strong enough to reach wherever you are in your life today. It's a better trust. It's a better trust. And that better trust is in the Lord and in his mercy. Do you remember when David wanted to build the temple and, uh, God told him, no, you, you're not going to build a temple. Um, you're a man of much war and blood. He said, but I will let you, David, save up all the money and put it in a trust account or something. And then I want you to let your son build it. And, you know, by the way, the son that was from a relationship that was begun in adultery, the mercy of God endureth forever. And King Solomon, as we know the story, does build the temple. And it is considered to be um, an amazing place. It was a permanent building in place of the tent of the tabernacle. And as they built that, and they came to the outer court where the brazen altar would, was at, 
And if you remember, the brazen altar is the place where the sacrifice that had been slain and the blood would be shed, and it was a, a picture of the judgment of God upon sin because the holy God does hold sin accountable and judges sin. And so there you have this altar where the blood was poured out and in the Levitical system as a covering for sins. And as we know, when Jesus died, the, uh, as the writer of Hebrews teaches us, died once for sin, the, the perfect sacrifice, there, there's no more sacrifice needed. Amen? But when Solomon builds this temple, they build this brazen altar that must have been just an amazing thing. It was a picture of the sacrifice that Jesus would make, the shedding of his perfect blood. And if you remember when the tabernacle was set up and the first time they set up the brazen altar, remember God gave him a command that when the fire was started there in that altar that it was supposed to never go out. He said the command is that it burns day and night forever. And even when they moved, uh, from what I understand in rabbinical writings and stuff, they actually took some of the embers in the fire and they carried the fire with them. So that fire was always burning. Amazing, isn't it? But I don't know if you remember, but when the temple was built and they built this altar, God tells them to build the altar, but he says, don't worry about, you know, the fire because the fire had gone out because of the glory of God and some of the problems that they'd had. And he goes, don't, don't, don't worry about that one because remember Solomon prayed a prayer of dedication? And, and notice what Second Chronicles chapter 7 tells us about this event. Verse number 3, And when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Whoa. Solomon prays. And can you imagine the fire of God coming down from heaven to light that huge fire? Kabang! Everybody hit the ground and then the Bible tells us that the glory of the Lord as the cloud of glory came in and permeated that place that was so holy that everybody hit the ground and hit their face. And I thought, what a, what a, what a picture that is desired when you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ and the fire of conviction of the Holy Spirit of God comes down and then when we believe and then we're baptized into, the, into Christ and then the glory of God it ought to be emanating out of the life of the believer because it's very clear whatsoever you do in word and deed do all to the glory of God. So a person with better faith is a person who understands the mercy of God, that the, 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 the judgment of my sin has been purified in the holiness of Jesus Christ, and now I emanate, I live, I ought to give out and reflect. <laughs> just the margin, just the glory of God by living with a better faith. Wow. Um so thankful for the grace of God that's connected to my salvation. Yes, his grace and his mercy when I got saved, but even now as a believer, it's important to understand it in my present sanctification. In other words, my daily walk. You know, we live in a day where, you know, there's certain people like to march around and say, no justice, no peace. Heard that one? You know, I know I find in my own life a lot of times what I really like best is justice. And there is certainly something to be said for justice. We're certainly losing equal justice under the law, aren't we? <sighs> Scary days in which we live. 
But I, I will say this. Sometimes as believers, we are really quick to want to be people of justice, especially when somebody else does me wrong. You know how many times I have to forgive DT down here? He, he just comes in back there and he makes me mad, you know? And it's, uh, give him justice, you know? And then what does God do? He's got mercy and he lets, he lets him be married to a wonderful woman like Tommy, you know? It's coming, it's coming. I know, you got to work up for one. You, know, you, you owe me. Um, we like justice, but I would ask you this morning, aren't you glad when it came to what you deserve before God that you did not get justice in the sense of your own justice for you, but instead you experienced God's mercy? And if we and I experience God's mercy, should I not be a person in my life that is characterized as merciful? Several years ago, Jen and I were at a uh, pastoral retreat, and we, were, we took some time. We were down in Destin. We haven't been in Destin in a while. She was reminding me that we haven't been in Destin in a while. Now we're going to go to Boston here in a few weeks. You want to go to Destin instead of Boston and have 150 degrees instead of 140? Didn't think so. Can't go to Destin anymore. People found out about it. Who told them? Quit telling. You did, Matt. Thank you for that. You can't drive up and down 98 now. You see, it's just, at any rate, um, I'm just a little bitter. Uh, but we were there. And we were staying in a, we had rented a, 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 a townhome on a golf course. And um, back in that day, we had driven probably my favorite car that I've ever, and most of you know, if you don't know, I'm a car guy, love cars. This is a car guy church, right? Car guys, is there any, okay, thank you, Matt, one, one honest. The Challenger owner, right in your face. Not like those Corvette owners that won't speak up. Get those, they got those quiet vacuum exhausts. Not really, Brock scared me more than once. I was following him one time, he, he like exploded his exhaust. Jenny and I went through the roof. What was that? Sonic blast, the space shuttles overhead. Um, no, it's just Brock's exhaust on a Corvette. At any rate, um, one of my favorite cars, I had, a, I had my BMW convertible. Isn't that a beautiful car? It's my wife and my mom and dad there. Uh, we, we, that's, isn't that a beautiful shot over Prattville? You don't know where that is. Maybe 50, 50 points if you know where that is. Um, yeah, you, not for you. <laughs> I hope you get that right, hon. Um, <laughs> um, but we were at this townhouse, and as many of you know, one of my favorite things to do is I like washing my car in, in peace and tranquility and quietness. And I was on vacation. I brought my stuff and no one was going to bother me. You know, nothing else going on. I just, just could just go out there and get in my nothing box. You guys, you know, I'm nothing and, and work on my car, wash my car. So I went out there one morning and I, I did that all morning. And I can't remember if I clay barred the car and then put a new coat. Of, I came, I put, I did a pretty good job on it and got it all looking great. And, um, I remember getting done and it was sitting out there. And of course, you know, then this house didn't have a garage. It's sitting outside in the parking lot, which is really expensive expensive house. I'm like, what? We're on a golf course and all these expensive homes and you don't even have a carport? You know, what's up with that? But okay, that's being first world problems. But at any rate, I'm sitting there looking at this thing and, um, uh, and then I was thinking to myself, you know, you've worked really hard your whole life. You know, you've worked to, on your craft. You've put up with a lot of hurt staying in the ministry and God's blessed you and, and you know, look at this, you know. And maybe, maybe I, maybe I advi- admired my achievement a little bit too much because my tranquility at that moment where it was just nothing, it was just peaceful, all of a sudden I hear someone yelling, four, four. Now, 
I used to golf before my health issues. I used to be a pretty bad golfer, but, you know, I like it. And I knew what that meant. Now, y'all know that. Some of you in here apparently know what that means. Not a lot of, you know, you know I, I was curious. Why do they yell four? I figured it was a par three, and that was their fourth stroke. So they're going, four, you know, this stinks, you know. Do you know why they, you know why they get this? I look, now, there seems to be an argument about it, but apparently because golf was, began in Scotland, and in Scotland, you say four as an abbreviation for the word before. So instead of saying before, you just say four. Now, I guess the theory is, <laughs> you know, the ball lands before it was supposed to. I, I don't know how they go from before to yelling it, but that's where apparently it comes from. I don't know why golfers just don't say, look out, <laughs> or awful shot, <laughs> or incoming, you know, something like that. But nonetheless, I hear somebody yelling four, and I know what that means, and I'm going, oh, somebody's got a terrible shot. Then I begin to hear the sound of a golf ball ripping through the leaves that are on a tree. You say, how do you know that? Because I've done that a few times. <laughs> I, I needed a few extra golf balls per 18 holes. Let's put it that way. I knew the sound of a golf ball traveling through those trees. And I'm going, I hear it going. The next thing I hear is I hear it bonk on the, on the pavement. Okay? I hear it just boink. Now, uh, now it's got my attention. And then that golf ball, because it's a pavement, it bounces back up into the trees again. So I hear it going goes up, then I hear it come back down, and then I hear it bonk again. But every time it's bonking, the bonking is getting closer. Mm. At that point, I realize what is happening, and I look back at my freshly washed and shining BMW, and I'm going, no, no. And I do what every, what every car lover would do is I take my body, and I wish I was a bigger guy. Could have used you, DT, at this moment. Going like this, I'm cleaning over the back end of my car going, no. And I hear it bounce again, I hear it bounce again, and it all gets quiet. And I'm looking around, I'm looking over there, and I said, okay. And about that time, I get off the car, and I turn around. This, this, you know, you think I'm lying, I'm telling you. And this golf ball... This very golf ball rolls to a stop right behind the car. You ever have one of those moments where in that very moment, all of a sudden the voice of God is like really clear to you? And God said, hey, Ken, remember, it's only my mercy that all these good things are in your life. Because his mercy endureth forever. Amen? Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. Lord, I pray that um, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they've never trusted you, and in your finished work, my dear friend, would you trust Jesus today? The Bible's very clear. The Philippian jailer, he was, thought he was about to end his life and was considering even committing suicide and looked at Paul and said, what do I have to do to be saved? And Paul looked at him in Acts 16 and said, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You trust Christ for your eternity today. But how about it, dear Christian? Are you living a life of better trust that's got a clear vision of the mercy of God this morning, being reminded that because of his mercy for you that he went and died on a cross and rose again, suffered for you, and then offered you forgiveness and eternal life? Would you, as Christians, that we could live a better trust based on that mercy? 
that we should be mercy givers. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'd seal decisions today. Thank you again for our church. Thank you for our country. Thank you for just the opportunity to meet together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me this morning? And Brother Joe's going to lead us in the first invitation.